This week we are joined by Ariel Cecil. She is a Marine Corps officer in the information operations field, which is incredibly interesting. We learn all about her job, her habit of saying yes before thinking, and being overconfident on two wheels. Listen closely for the Silly Silly Monkey song. Thanks. I've done it. I've had an interview with the Marine Corps before, and it was like, the, it was terrible. Like really? it was. I'll show you all the video of it later. By the way, it's like. Well, don't I, worry. I still get made fun of because of it. they're all like, "Yep, yeah, real did real good there, Cecil. Thanks for putting that one out there." So I am First Lieutenant Ariel Cecil. I'm the Low Altitude Air Defense Officer with 13th Marine Expeditionary Unit, and this is the Light Marine Air Defense Integrated System, also known as the LMATIS. So we were kind of talking a little about this earlier, but I've been in, I'm a Marine Corps officer. I've been in about, we're going on like five and a half, almost six years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I moved, uh, graduated from Auburn, uh, moved back here, worked at O'Henry's Coffee for about a year. And then kind of probably about six months into working at O'Henry's, I was like, I need to do something different. I, I love the job. I genuinely did. Um, I love the people I work with, met some great people, but I was like, I always thought serving was really important and kind of not necessarily just serving in the military, but like any kind of service, like being a teacher, being a nurse, just like giving something back. Right. And so I was like, I, you know, I gotta do something different. So I just kind of, I have a bad habit of, um, kind of going with my gut and not thinking things through. Like, I'm just like, (laughs) this feels right. And I just go with it. And then sometimes it works out amazingly well. And other times it's like, Oh God, like here we are now. And this is one of those times where like it actually has worked out really well. So like six years later, yeah, six years later, I'm still still in. So, um, I went and I met with a recruiter and then within like two weeks I was signing a contract. Then a few months after that, I'm reporting in at Quantico, Virginia, going through what we call officer candidate school. And it's like a, you can, there's different formats of that program. I did a 10 week program up there and then got commissioned as a second Lieutenant in the Marine Corps. And then from there we did, you do like a bunch of more follow on training. And then eventually I made my way out to San Diego and did, it was an air defense officer out there. Um, spent about what four years yeah four years out in San Diego um doing that got to deploy twice while I was out there which both like very unique and different experiences but I got to like kind of go see the world and do different things and then four years this summer that came to an end and now I'm in Quantico Virginia doing something completely different than air defense um it's called information operations and so it's just more about the cognitive aspect of everything um and yeah, that's what I'm doing now. So it's been, it's been fun. It's been different. But. How, okay. So you said that you kind of tend to do things without like thinking too much behind it. Yeah. What like you were like, okay, I'm going to go enlist. Like that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. What? Cause you said service was important to you, but that could have been teaching. It could have been, you know, literally anything yeah. else. What stuck out about military so I was kind of at like either I was gonna go back to school and probably get like my master's in social work that's what I was looking at or I was looking at the military and I don't really know what it was about the military because they're very different like master's in social work and military like I don't know what like (laughs) made me think that like yep one or the other but I I had an uncle um Oh, I ha- still have an uncle. I should I have okay. the have an uncle who he's retired now out of the Marine Corps, but he just loved it. Like he loved mm-hmm. the life he got to live. And he did like 23 years in the service. And yeah. yeah. And so I kind of started talking to him and he 
he was like, hey, you like leading, you like uh, being a part of a group and a team and a community, and you want to travel the world and see different things. He's like, why don't you just like go talk to a recruiter and go see what you think about it? Yeah. And that's kind of, that was the, that was like the extent of me thinking it. Like, I didn't really know what I was signing up for. And like, I didn't know what it was to be like an officer in the Marine Corps. I didn't yeah. know what, um, what any of the training was, what any of the different like occupational specialties there were. Cause you can do anything from like administration to like more logistical work to communications work. Like I had no idea about any of that. Yeah. And so I just, that's, that's kind of the point where I was like, I didn't think anything through. I was like, I'm just going to go do it and give it yeah. my best shot. And yeah. yeah. It's I worked know, out like, really well. Literally zero about the inner workings of stuff. Do you yeah. like, is it one of those <laughs> things where you, uh, you sign up and you just get placed somewhere do you have a say in it like do you yeah. say like I think this would be a better fit for me or do you kind of get in there and you're like this is not a good fit can I transfer like yeah so what we do is um you go through officer candidate school and you get commissioned out of that and then you go to what's a six-month program where it's called the basic school and it's still in Quantico Virginia and it's just six months where you're learning essentially just how to become an officer and at the end of that six months they um you rank everything you want to do like one through whatever mm-hmm. Um, in terms of your occupational specialty and that's they take into account how well you performed at the basic school they take into account like what they feel like you're best suited for and they take into account like your interest and what you ranked in it and that's where that's where they kind of decide what you're going to do you so you get somewhat of a say but it's also kind of like it's also the needs of the marine corps like you you know if they if you're really smart and you're really good at x y and z then they're going to push you towards that even if it's not like your number one go-to yeah. But they really try hard to get people where they want to go because okay. that's an incentive to like keep yeah. you in. And yeah. yeah, have you felt like you've kind of gotten to go the route that you wanted to yeah. go? Yeah, it's been like a very, very surprising route because, again, I didn't really know anything about air defense and low altitude right. air defense specifically is what I do. Yeah, but it looked really awesome and it looked a lot of fun. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do that one. And it's been amazing since then. And then same thing with information operations. It's been something I knew like very, very little about, mm-hmm. but has, um, I'm sure like you, you can look at anything in the media now and look at anything that's like going on in the world and understand how important information is. And yeah. when you're denied information, how like ter- like how that can be affecting yeah. community and stuff like that. So yeah. that's kind of been like another thing I kind of fell into it and I've been enjoying it a lot ever since. Nice. Yeah. And I think the big biggest deciding factor is why I just decided not to go to uh, apply to go to master's in social work too is I thought like I didn't want to do school for a while, yeah. which has been like the biggest joke in the world to me because the Marine, I've gone to so many schools in the Marine Corps <laughs> <laughs> and I've taken so many tests and like all like given presentations and all that stuff. It's kind of been like it, it's been six years of that now yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <I'm> but constantly <laughs> learning, w- which has been great. But, I feel like yeah. when it's something that you thoroughly enjoy, it doesn't feel quite as much like school anymore. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely. when I find things that I am like so intrigued with and I, I choose to advance my knowledge in that. So it doesn't feel quite as rigid as like college felt really difficult because it was a bunch of stuff that I didn't care about. I didn't yeah. want to learn about half the stuff. Yeah. And I was trying to just like get through it to get to the classes that I thought I wanted to learn about. And then mm-hmm. it turns out I didn't really care about those either. Yeah. But <laughs> And the schooling you're getting, I'm sure like it's all very applicable to what you're yeah. doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas college, half of it is not at all. Exactly. That's true. And it's kind of like you learn a skill, then you have to use that skill mm-hmm. and it pushes you forward. Then you learn something else and then you kind of continue. hundred percent. That's like exactly. It's all building off of each other. And yeah. it's like, as you are in longer and you gain rank or you gain different um, 
billets that you have to hold, different jobs you have to hold. It just, it keeps building and building. You get to learn more and more. And it's, it's all like, it's absolutely fascinating. Some stuff I've gotten to learn and gotten to do. And, um, yeah, I've definitely found it. Obviously, like some parts are a lot more interesting than other parts. Other parts, I'm like, oh God, like yeah. just make it through, make it through, make yeah. it through. And then other things are like, I'm having the time of my life. Right. So, yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, it's been interesting. Can you go into detail at all about what you actually do day to day? Yeah, I was wondering like um, yeah. past job and present job, just kind of like rundown of like what yeah. both of um, them were and the differences. Absolutely. I'm going to try to explain this the best way I can. This might come down to me being like, hey, maybe like cut this part out or cut that mm-hmm. part out. Um, but so what I did before originally was low altitude air defense. So lad is kind of what I did. Um, and we did a lot of stuff with stinger missiles. Um, and which I got a cool video I can show you guys too later with that stuff. But yeah, so I did that. And a lot of my experience with that, especially deploying was, um, straight transits, which are you guys familiar with like, so we do straight transits a lot because we're like on like a naval ship or something like that. Mm -hmm. And we're going through like a really congested tight area. So it can be. Um, things were like land masses are just really, really close. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's, you're really vulnerable during that time yeah. period. So I was doing a lot of stuff where I would have my guys, um, or my Marines up on the deck with stinger missiles, just kind of providing that air defense for a, a naval vessel and stuff like that, going through those tight areas. Um, and now low altitude air defense is transitioning more towards, um, everything with drones countering that. Cause mm-hmm. those, that's like, that's insane how much of a problem that's become lately. Yeah. Cause they're, they're so cheap. Like you can just go yeah. buy one, you can they can modify it however you want. And so yeah. we've moved a lot more towards um, countering that. And so that's what I did for about re- those four years. I uh, got, to, got to go to Australia, Japan, um, Djibouti, Kuwait, got to go like Thailand, Malaysia, like a bunch of other different countries getting to do stuff like that. That's so cool. Yeah. Really cool sounding places as well. Yeah. Like- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Maybe not Djibouti, Africa. I don't know if I'd yeah. ever go back there. <laughs> but mostly every, diverse too. Yeah. Everywhere else was amazing. <laughs> Australia was a blast. Yeah. Oh, Australia was yeah. really, really cool because it was like um we do like port calls and stuff like that whenever you're on a um ship and you're deployed because it's like you gotta you gotta give people a break, right? Like get them off, give them a few days yeah. to just mm-hmm. like decompress. And so we did all of ours in Australia. So it was like we would go out and we would train for like a week and then we would pull into port somewhere and it was we did um, Melbourne, Brisbane, and Sydney. And it was just like amazing. Yeah. So we got to get off and like spend like a week in each of these places. And then when we weren't, we were out like the middle of nowhere, Australia, like training with these Australians Yeah. and yeah, waking up and you'd be like in your sleeping bag and you'd wake up and it would just be like spider webs every like surrounding you wow. and then like spiders like this big oh, and it would just be like no, i don't like want to get head. out yeah <laughs> i would i would look at my marines and they'd be like ma'am i don't want to get out and i was like i don't want to get out either like <laughs> it's like they're everywhere oh yeah. that's terrifying yeah, we, <laughs> we were patrolling through through um i can't even remember what area it was of australia but it, I, I remember it was like kind of close to like the eastern part kind of like the northern eastern part and we're patrolling through and just doing like a little training exercise. And then we look over and there's like just this, I don't know what you call a family of kangaroos, but there's a ton of kangaroos and they're massive, right? Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, let's just go around. Like, <laughs> cause they're like, they're like a foot taller than me yeah. and look like they've been bitching like 500 pounds their whole life. And so I was just like, nope, nope. I think we'll they can go be aggressive too. Yeah. 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 You ever seen that video of that guy who, with a dog, mm-hmm. and the guy punches him, and the kangaroo's like, uh, yeah, it's a good video. 
you can tell like no one knows what to do including yeah. the guy who punched the kangaroo right. and the kangaroo <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's pretty good wow yeah so that's what i did before and now i do information operations which is kind of um which I've like found so fascinating and it's definitely, it's very different from what I did before. Cause what I did before is a lot more like we're out, we're in the field, we're training, like we're doing that. This is a lot more getting in the office, analyzing mm -hmm. like people and, and stuff like that. And like really and like systems and just really getting into it. And so it's like maybe use a different part of my brain, which I've enjoyed a lot, but it's, the best way I can describe it is it's like activities that involve the use of information to support U.S. and allied military objectives and or to degrade adversary functions. The field of information operations includes military deception, cyberspace operations, and other subdisciplines. Information operations officers identify human networks, groups, and subgroups that affiliate along religious, political, or cultural lines including commonly held beliefs and local narratives. Once such networks are identified, information operators devise ways to influence, control or subvert them. IO officers focus their analysis on preferred means, methods, and venues that each social affiliation uses to interact and communicate and the ways each collectively constructs reality. Analysis examines biases, pressure points, general leanings, and proclivities, especially as they pertain to support or opposition of friendly and adversarial forces. Yeah, it's it's like looking at a populace and or looking at just everything from government to social structures to mm -hmm. things like that mm -hmm. and realizing like how they get information, what what they already believe and stuff like that and just how we want to impact that cognitively. So it's really like getting into that because it just it matters um, when you really think about it because as much as we want to say like, Hey, like, let's have things go boom. Let's do this. Let's do that. At the yeah. end of the day, like we're all still people and we yeah. also have that mental aspect of it and that, yeah. especially that mental health aspect of yeah. it. So it's yeah. like, it's, it's, yeah, it really is like just looking at the cognitive where you're at, how you probably best want to influence that yeah. to essentially give the decision maker a, and the commander, like an advantage, really understanding people and, I feel like I've said this, I know I've said this like already, but like understanding how they take in information and like mm -hmm. what information is important to them. Cause I mean, I think, I mean, again, like we look at it in day-to-day -day life. Now you look at yeah. denial of information, um, yeah. when information is like clearly wrong, it's misinformation and yeah. stuff like that. Like you can look at that across it and see how it impacts people in one way of being like, Hey, they're being denied information and the outrage that causes them. But then also to the people who are getting the inf misinformation and believing it and mm -hmm. being like, Oh my God. So it's just, the information aspect of life, even outside the military right now, I feel like it's so important. And I think that's what makes me like significantly more intrigued about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's so applicable for each one of us in our daily life as well, just to like mm -hmm. take a step back and to like realize what information we are receiving, what information we're putting out ourselves. Mm -hmm. If you want to like break it down to like the smallest like, micro scale, yeah. then I don't know. I think that's, Using your brain in that way, mm -hmm. I feel like would be so enlightening for your daily life as well as just what you're doing for your job, Yeah, which I think is really neat because a lot of times people work is work and you do your job and you put it away. But something like this, I feel like can impact you to make you a better person mm -hmm. and like mentally more well-rounded. Yeah. It's 
definitely made me a lot more aware about how I take in information mm -hmm. and how it's going to be different than like my friend takes in information yeah, and sure. how yeah. maybe I'm saying things or doing things that they're taking a completely different way and like mm -hmm. vice versa. So a hundred percent, like I hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. Like it's made me friends, family, everything. It's maybe be like, okay, like yeah. it's, I analyze everybody's different perspectives all day at work. So clearly we all have different perspectives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How has that like affected you that. in your personal life? Like, has it made you a little bit more like almost, I feel like aggressive is like a really intense term, but like, I would almost be like, you're not listening to everything. Like you're, you're yeah. so like in this singular vein mm -hmm. of like the information that you're receiving. And I mean, I'm just thinking about news. I'm thinking about all this kind of stuff that currently it's like such a hot topic in our day to day. Very divided. That it's so divided and yeah. it's so interesting. Yeah. And it's, I see it so drastically from so many sides. Like my parents are insanely conservative. My friends are very liberal. It's like, and I don't, I'm like falling somewhere in between cause I see both sides. But then I also am like, I don't, I don't like watching the news all the time because it's just a source of like irritation and like stress. And I don't need that in my life cause I have enough on my own. Mm -hmm. So it's like trying to filter it all in. And then at some point, I, just me being avoidant, I ignore it. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's kind of maybe more patient, mm. honestly, because it's maybe like, okay, not yeah. everybody's again, like not everybody's going to see it the way I see it or understand it the way that I understand it. So it's made me a lot more patient. And mine also has made me a lot more annoying because I'm definitely the person who's like, but let's look at it from this angle. And like, yeah. people are like, God, like I just want to be pissed. Okay. Yeah. Like, I just want to be yeah. angry right now, Ariel. I don't want to look at it from like every different <laughs> angle. And I'm like, okay, I get yeah. it guys. But yeah, it's definitely, it's made me a lot more patient because again, like it, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense is my sermon title today. You can hear that phrase two different ways and I mean it in both ways. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, when you, it's, and it's tough right now. When you get information from like a million different sources and it's all different and it's all yeah. like, for lack of a better way to put it, shitting on the other source you got yeah. the information from, it's just, it's frustrating and it's, it makes you want to turn it off. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so frustrating because even in like day-to-day -day stuff for me too, like there's sometimes you can tell where stuff's biased and it, again, it's just, it's a part where I have to remember to like take a step back and not even let my own emotions mm -hmm. get into it or my own opinions or be like, yeah, no, like this is the hill I'm dying on right now. Like, no, yeah. like take a step back, like what yeah. really matters. And I have to remind myself of that constantly yeah. because I'm still, I, I put on the uniform every day and I am who I am when I go into the office. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm still aerial when I get off and I go yeah. home and I like, yeah, I came from a very liberal family. I came from like that kind of side of stuff, like a liberal family, like in the heart of Alabama, like yeah. Birmingham. So it's kind of like a very interesting perspective I've gotten on some stuff, but I, yeah, I'm still me, but I have to remember when I go home, when I go to work, I'm, I am aerial, but I'm also like, I have a job to do yeah. and yeah. it's, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than my yeah. own personal opinion on stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to like think of like some good Marine Corps mistakes that mm. I've made. And there's really none that are like that funny. They're all <laughs> just like, Oh, like <laughs> that was bad. We need to, <laughs> well, I mean, you could drawing board you could, on that one, um, but share those too. But I've had some experiences where when we were, um, we were at a port call and we were in Thailand and me and one of my really good friends, uh, Tom, he, um, he, we were deployed together and he's, he's a great guy. It's, it's kind of, I can tell you more about this later, but it's kind of funny. Cause it's like, you meet these people and obviously like you become like really, really close to them to the mm -hmm. point where it's like, we ate every meal together. 
we planned every aspect of the port call together. I called my work wife because mm. I'm just like, we made every decision together that <laughs> yeah. we had, like even like work-wise, because we just, we were in, in charge of two completely different Marine units, but our guys trained together a lot. Mm. And so we just made like all these decisions together. Um, but we're in Thailand and I have, I was, I had this like baggie full of stuff and I, it was just like a bunch of like my phone, a, a rain jacket, I think, and like food I had in there for like snacks for later. Um, and we decide we're like, Hey, let's go check out the big Buddha. And I'm like, okay, like, like, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. So we get there and we're walking around. It's like, it's really cool. It's, it was an amazing experience. It, we got to like walk all around it. There is like, part of it was under construction, but it was whatever I've, I've got like, yeah, we got like our photos. We got to read all about it. There's a beautiful view out to the rest of um, Phuket. And then as we're leaving, and like we see like the monkeys, right? Like the monkeys are the big yeah. thing there. Like they're all hanging out, whatever. Um, and as we're leaving, I again, I have my baggie full of food and like random stuff. We're walking away, <laughs> and I feel like this tug on my bag. And I'm like, I look back thinking it's Tom like messing with me. And I look back, and there's a monkey tugging on my bag <laughs> and I'm like no and I start tugging back because it's like my cell phone like my wallet yeah. like all this like really important stuff is in it? my room key to my hotel room and the monkey and I are like in this tug of war and everybody like turn around and watching us and I'm like yanking the crap out of this like plastic baggie he's pulling just as hard and then he does the power move oh, and he brings the other arm around so again I'm full like full force with two hands yanking and this monkey's got one hand on the damn bag pulling on it like fight give me a fight for it <laughs> he pulls the other hand around grabs the bag and just yanks it completely out of my grip takes off for the trees and just runs up to the top of this tree to the point where I can see him. So it's like 10 times worse, right? Cause he's taunting yeah. me at this right. point. And he's like <laughs> looking at me, like I got your whole bag of crap that you need to like, first off, get back to the boat. Like my military IDs in there, like all oh, of my, my stuff God. is in there. Hey, and I'm just do? like, a monkey stole my ID. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally standing there and I'm like, like this wide eyed look on my face. I'm just, I look at Tom and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, I don't know what to do either. <laughs> and then we start like this crowd starts gathering and it's like the good idea fairy crowd, right? They're all like, you should feed it. You should do this. You should do that. And like, nothing's working. Yeah. The monkey starts going through my bag. Uh, oh, this is, uh, he starts going through my bag after he dropped a few things and peed all over those things. So oh. again, asserting his dominance yeah. over the situation, uh -huh. right? Like making it very clear who's in charge. And starts going through my bag and like picking things out trying to eat them and then throwing them. So it's like, I get the hotel key back. I get my wallet back. Great. With monkey bites in them, of course. Of course. Yeah. I get all my stuff back. Later. Yeah. <laughs> all this stuff dumps the whole bag, but still has my phone. And the monkey, I think like he knew, he knew like, oh, it's an iPhone. Like, yeah. there's, this I can, oh yeah. I can make I, some money. <laughs> oh yeah. I can give this to someone or something. And like, this is important. And he's just up there like chewing on my iPhone, just eating and looking at us. And he would like look me right in the eye and just keep biting on this thing. And my buddy Tom is like trying to help me get him, get the monkey down mm -hmm. and we can't get him down. And finally the monkey just gets bored with us. And, and I can hear people like my phone is ringing. Like people are trying to get in contact with me and this monkey is just biting the crap out of it. Monkey takes off running and he like, we chase him through again, through like the Thailand, like woods jungle whatever and just we're around the big buddha so like the sacred site it's like these two americans and like <laughs> we're just like this is not good this is not good at all and we're just like sprinting through and we finally we kind of pop out this other side and there's a bunch of people gathered around 
and they're all like laughing and pointing at something. And we're like, hey, what are y'all pointing at? They're like, oh, there's a monkey up there with a cell phone. And we're like, that's our monkey. <laughs> and we finally, and so we get it and we're kind of like, the monkey's like way up in the thing. And we're, I'm like, how are we gonna get my phone back? Like I, yeah. my phone's destroyed at this point. Like I just want the SIM card. And we finally go and we find someone who works there and he walks out and he has like a slingshot on him and he doesn't even like shoot anything. He just pulls out the slingshot. The monkey looks at it drops my cell phone and takes off running <laughs> like so he so obviously yeah. he has some experience with that slingshot right and so i finally get my phone back and it is just like i have pictures of it on this phone actually because we thought it was really funny but it's like bite marks are all in it it's completely shattered doesn't work i had to get a new phone i was like down and out for a phone for a while there until i got back to the states but i was about to say did was, you have to go to like the apple store in phuket <laughs> no we just left it i was like at least i got my sim card out of it yeah, and yeah. like there's not some rando with my cell phone with all my personal information on it yeah. and yeah so now you, if you ever go to thailand do not put food in a bag the monkey <laughs> will steal it and this is like in the midst of we just heard a story about a monkey who'd like bitten a girl and all this stuff like that and i'm just like son of a bitch like and yeah Wow. I was so pissed. That was like <laughs> the monkey eating the phone. That was the worst part and yeah. peeing on all my stuff. <laughs> I was like, you. yeah. And like, just like, why you got to pee on it, man? Like <laughs> you've already destroyed half of my crap. Yeah. I want to like just salt in the wound right there. Yeah. yeah. You already won. Yeah. You don't have to do more. Did he eat the food? No. <laughs> didn't even that was the worst part is there was like a decent amount of cash in there because I, we had something going on that night where we had to pull out cash for it and so like i had like he could have taken the money the food all this stuff like that like why don't you take that stuff instead of my iphone yeah, <laughs> he could have taken my he money. Taken my cash. Yeah, yeah. he could have taken the hotel room key and had like a night to himself and like a nice bed and everything. Yeah, and he just wanted that cell phone that he just chewed on the whole time. Yeah, so that was that was a big mistake we made in Thailand, and because people were like trying to get in contact with me for work stuff, and I'm just like, my, a monkey literally stole my phone and destroyed it. Or when I got back to the states, I was like, hey, I don't have your number anymore and they're like you know people are kind of like oh why don't you have my number anymore i'm like a monkey stole my phone no one believes that yeah and so i had did to you get a photo of the monkey with the phone oh yes <laughs> you can put this as like the caption for the podcast this is monkey with my phone let me find it real quick it's like the new a dog ate my homework it is a monkey stole my phone this is the monkey song silly silly monkey song this is the monkey song everybody sing along this is the monkey song silly silly monkey song this is the monkey song everybody sing along i have another one with tom we decided to rent dirt bikes and i had never rented a dirt bike i'd rented a motorcycle before which oh that's another story i can also tell okay. about when i um, really really learned how to ride a motorcycle um and it was again like another situation where he was like do you know how to ride a dirt bike i'm like yeah i know how to ride a dirt bike like obviously i'm from alabama i got this i did not know how to ride a dirt bike i barely knew how to like shift and I, it was he was like yeah it got better as the day went on but even like our guide was like oh god like he was even like oh this is bad like we're about to get sued and it was a really cool experience and it was a lot a lot of fun but I ate shit so many times that it's just like not even fun. The fact that I don't have a, a concussion or a broken arm is yeah. like shocking because <laughs> it was just, it was just like, 
the tire would get caught and then it would like whoop and then <laughs> i would just be flat right on the ground and yeah uh, 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 and now i have um jeff bass's old motorcycle which i ride around yeah. pretty frequently yeah um, let's Which, talk about the uh, the yeah. other motorcycle story. So in college, Jeff actually like is one of the original people who taught me how to ride. And but it was like I was on his Bonneville, which is it's it's it doesn't have like a ton of like, it's not like a big old like Harley Hog or whatever yeah, you're yeah. thinking about, right? Like it's an easy one to learn on. Like it's comfortable. It's not like a bunch of get up and go with it. Um, he might be like really offended that I said that, <laughs> but. <clears throat> But that then, doesn't mean that his other bike yeah. is not that way. <laughs> yeah. This is his cruising around town kind yeah. of bike, yeah. you know? It's Sunday so, morning. So yeah. I, I'd had like a little bit of experience. So I was like, okay, I'm fine, you know? Fast forward a few years. I'm back in, I'm in Georgia visiting um, my mom's uh, second husband. She's She's been remarried since. So she's on her third husband. Yeah. So she, this is her <laughs> second husband, who's like basically the guy who raised me. Okay. Who, which now that I'm telling the story, I really think I got a lot of my... Um, oh, I'll just follow my gut and not think things through. I think I got it from him because uh, I'm starting to realize like a lot of the patterns of stuff I've done have been very much just stuff he's also kind of done. <laughs> she been like, doesn't think, we just like both are just like, yeah, like I, we trust our guts. Like, let's just go with it. Everything yeah. will be fine. Yeah, yeah. So I'm visiting him and he's like, hey, you want to go like, let's like ride the Harley. And I'm like, yeah, I can. I have written a motorcycle before. Like, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and this is, by the way, this is like three days before I deploy. Oh, so gosh. it's like, <laughs> yeah. Nice. And I'm on this huge Harley. I don't even remember what kind of bike it is, but it's definitely way too big for me, way too big for someone who's not an experienced rider, i.e. has ridden um, one day with Jeff Bass, teaching them how to go from first to second gear. And, but I'm, so I, you're a pro. I'm a pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a professional. And, but That's again, right. like, you I'm like, experience. everything will be fine. Like, yeah, it'll be, you know, like, I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, I got this, I got this. I'm going, I'm going along, and I, I don't, I don't even remember exactly what happened, but like I think the clutch just slipped, or I might have like dropped. What? Either way, the bike shoots out from underneath me, oh like literally like leaves my body, and I just again hit the asphalt. Oh. The helmet's way too big for my head because my stepdad's got a big old noggin, and it just like <laughs> bounces back over my head. So it's like I've got it like strapped oh, around no. my neck, <laughs> and choking. Then, yeah, choking as I'm like bouncing along the asphalt. And my stepdad like pull like comes up like out of nowhere and it's like all right, he's laughing because it's that's like how we deal with situations right it's like I'm gonna help pick you up but I'm gonna laugh at you while uh, I do it uh. yeah so he's laughing but he kind of stops laughing after a he looks at me being like oh my god and like kind of <laughs> assessing that like okay nothing's I had road rash but like nothing was broken again yeah. but the Harley is fucked up <laughs> oh, and this is god. like his like baby mm. and there is like just shit broken everywhere oh, and he's like looking at me, he's like oh you were you should i not let you on there and i was like oh, i think in hindsight we maybe <laughs> shouldn't have done this at all because i've got like road rash like all down my body i've got this helmet that's still like halfway on my neck and he's just like looking at like all this shit broken off of his harley and i was like mm, sorry yeah so i think that was a quite a few hundred dollars of repairs later and yeah. i so I made the deployment, obviously, but I had, like, just <laughs> big old red rash, like, all over my my butt and, like, all over my arms and yeah. everything like that. That leads into another story of when I was younger with my, again, with my stepdad, um, where neither of us thought anything through, and we are on the four-wheeler. And that's, like, we, I think that's where I get my love of, like, riding, like, motor, like, I love driving cars. I love riding motorcycles now. I love doing stuff like that. I think I get jet skis, whatever. I get it from him. And... It was another thing where he's like, yeah, do you want to, like, drive the four-wheeler? And we've been at, like, a four-wheeling park, which is 
when very like such a southern thing when i think about it like a four-wheeling park <laughs> yeah. like this is yeah. like we literally, literally like someone bought land and built jumps yeah. just so people could the come fact there that you just said that's such a southern thing and that's the first time i've ever thought about that being a southern <laughs> thing <laughs> i mean maybe it's not maybe it's just like a redneck thing i don't know yeah, but I yeah mean, so we're at this four-wheeling park with like a bunch of um his side of the family and he's been driving us around on it and i've just been like on the back of the four-wheeler and everything like that and he's like hey do you want to do you want to drive? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I want to drive. I'm like 14 or 15. I have no concept of like, I don't even know how to drive a car at this point, yeah. but I'm like, yeah, like how hard can this be? Like you just, you, you just literally did, did the, th- yeah. yeah. <laughs> you do the throttle, you put some ga- brake on it. If you need it, you're good to go. But, and I'm again, like trying to, I think the same thing with the motorcycle. Like I'm just trying to like impress him and be like, I got this, I got this. Right. Um, and so I start, we we're just going around, whatever, whatever. And I see a jump and I'm like, oh yeah. Cause we've been doing jumps all morning. So it's yeah. like, we can keep doing jumps again. I'm like a 110 pound, like teenager. And he is like a 200 plus pound man. We go and we hit the jump and I don't understand. I don't understand the concept of like, you don't let go of the throttle right before it. You just let it keep going. Yeah. Um, but I kind of get a little scared right before it. Cause like reality sets in and I let go of the throttle and it causes us to, we hit the jump. And my aunt would later say that she could see, like she was behind us and she could literally, we got so high that you could see every, like everybody like way down in front of us. Like we're like, like we're not like a subtle jump. Like we are in there and then we start to nosedive. Oh God. And we hit and we, I I get thrown onto the handlebars because we somehow didn't flip. We hit like in a way where we didn't flip. I get thrown onto the handlebars. My 200 plus pound stepdad, 200 plus pound stepdad gets thrown on top of my back and it's just like i i don't i know i again did not break anything but i was like i we neither of us could walk for like three or four days we were so jacked up (laughs) he like figures out a way to like again he's like on top of me he's like oh my god like so he like gets up and he's like no go and i'm like okay (laughs) and like i'm clearly like in a lot of trouble at this point and i think i like had to hop on a four-wheeler with somebody else because he was just like like we almost died and i can't look at you right now (laughs) because the terror that i just caused him and i had to get like i think i got like on the four-wheeler with my aunt or something like that and then we didn't talk for like the rest of the day and then finally we he had like a we had like a father-daughter moment we got home where he was like he's like you just scared me to death and he's like i don't i'm not yeah it's a dad like he doesn't want his daughter like scaring the shit out of him like that yeah so yeah that was it I think that's like where all my stories come from are mistakes I've made with my stepdad where him and I've been like, yeah, this is a great idea. Let's do that. Yeah. Always overconfident. Like if I think back like skiing trips, we've gone on, we've gotten caught in like blizzards where we've been like, yeah, let's go to the top of that mountain up there. And there's like clearly a storm coming in and yeah, just every single thing like that. Yeah. I can't wait till he listens to this. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. he's like, you're right. We yeah. did a lot of stupid stuff together. Yeah. yeah. It's probably not going to end anytime soon. Nope. He was, yeah, no, he was like my best friend growing up and he's still like my good friend today. Even though like him and my mom divorced, um, I, was still, I think I was still at Auburn. I was like 21 or 22. Yeah. And him and I just remained close through all of that. That's awesome. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I got, I got lucky in the step parent department. Yeah. hundred percent. My stepmom's an awesome lady as well. Yeah. Yeah the most fun person to be around and just has been the most arguably the most supportive part person in my like cool. endeavors of become going to the Marine Corps too. Yeah. yeah. Always a life of the party. Always wanting to like go out and meet new people and do different stuff. And yeah. How was, um, your decision to go into the Marine Corps? Like, 
how did it affect your family? Um, so stepmom's super supportive, yeah. uh, shocked a lot of people. Like they were very yeah. caught off guard because I hadn't talked about anything like that yeah. before. Caught a lot of people off guard. Um, I think it's the worst fight me and my act, like my biological father. Mm. That's weird. Like we're close. I don't, yeah. I'm not saying biological, like, you know, <laughs> you, just, you have a lot of stepdads yeah, I do. and you know, a lot of stepdads <laughs> and stuff. So <laughs> I have a lot of dads at this point. So and the one that, you know, actually contributed to the birth of me. Yes. 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 He, I think it's the worst fight we've ever gotten in. Mm. Um, but again, I think it just like scared the scared him to death because yeah. yeah. he just like didn't understand any of it. And he's also like, this is my, is me making a decision that like, I didn't, I didn't go really consult with anybody yeah. about it. I think that's really yeah. tough for parents when it's like, there's, I vividly remember a couple of decisions I made that w- I did not consult them mm-hmm. at all. And it's like, okay, th- that's the moment where you are an adult and you don't need my help. Yeah. anymore and I think it scares them to death yeah and they do not take that well at all <laughs> and they're like oh you're your own little person who can yeah. make you up your own mind yeah. and yeah I think that that's it has to be like the worst fight we've ever gotten in and we didn't talk for for it wasn't like this like long drawn out thing but there was definitely like some cool off process after that yeah. but my stepmom was so supportive because her and my dad were both they're both still living in Birmingham and I was living in Birmingham at the time um and she obviously I was working at the coffee shop so I wasn't I wasn't like just, I didn't have like tons of money to spend on stuff I needed to start getting ready, right? So like new boots to start training in to get like my feet ready for that. She was like, all right, I'm going to buy it for you. She's like, all right, what do you need? Like just little things like that, that I don't, I, I've told her thank you since, but I don't think she understands like how important that support. Cause I, you yeah. know, it, again, like I was just kind of like going into the blind there and then yeah. to have her be like, all right, I believe in you. You got this. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And then like my mom has been super supportive. Um, her husband, he's also been very supportive, very proud. Uh, the only going into it was a was a little rocky, I think, with everybody because no one really knew what to expect. But in the, there's rockiness still today because it's like I don't I miss a lot. This is the first Thanksgiving I've been home in wow. a while, yeah. uh, so stuff like that. Like it's kind of hard for on everybody, but for the most part, everybody's very supportive. Yeah. Good, yeah. So that's been really nice. I feel like that's one of those things where even if they don't understand your decision-making process or wouldn't necessarily choose it for themselves, you kind of just have to accept it. Mm -hmm. Even if they don't really fully understand the reasoning behind it, even if you don't really understand the reasoning behind it at that point. Oh yeah. But um, (laughs) I think that's especially especially not understanding what I, yeah. 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 Um, But I, I just always wonder, like, I know that the, the family aspect is always an interesting thing. Like whenever someone like parents and spouses and all that kind of stuff have to deal with that just as much as the individual who signed up for it. But yeah, absolutely. Cause um, being young and selfish, I was not fully aware either of like how it was going to impact my family. Like I'm, I was very much so in the mindset of like, I'm the one going through this. Like, why are you guys being like this? And now as I've gotten older, I've realized that, like, no, like, we were all in, like, our own way kind of in it together. Yeah. Um, even, like, my friends and, like, people I was dating at the time, like, not really realizing. Um, I mean, Kyle being as supportive as he was, like, yeah. I don't think he understands, like, how important that was or how important his, like, support has continued yeah. to be. Or when when I find out about, like, a deployment or I find out about something coming up, like, him getting excited for me. Yeah. Like, that, like, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I got you in my corner. Like, that always yeah. means something. Yeah. yeah. Does it, I'm sure, especially with moving a lot, makes dating even tougher? 
Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, as soon as it starts getting like a, a solid point, cause it, I like go somewhere away for like a month or I leave yeah, for yeah. eight months or do something like something stupid yeah. like that happens. Um, so it's been, that's been like really, really difficult. And some people are like super cool with it, but other yeah. people are like, I mean, there's millions of other people right here. Like right. I could, I'm not, I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. And yeah. there's, it's lately, it's been a lot of like not really finding anybody I connect with. And I've gotten a lot better about being like, okay, like I'm going to step away from it. And yeah. you, I don't even want to say like connect with as much as like, okay, like I understand, like you don't understand it and you don't want to be involved in this life. And like, I need to respect that because yeah, yeah, it it does take someone. You didn't sign up for it. I did. hundred percent. Like I would never last deployment. I was dating someone, um, before I left and I made it very clear of like, like you can, we, if you want out, like, I'm never going to hate you. I'm never going to think you're a bad person. Like, like I get it. Yeah. Like if you are done with this, then I understand that completely. Like we are not married. We are like, you know, we haven't even been able to build like a solid base and it ended. Um, and I think that it was like obviously the best decision, but yeah, there's definitely, it's made dating hard. I've recently been getting in like the dating app world, Mm. which has been, I'm waiting for Martha Ellen to, um, the screenshots I sent her to be on tender years, but um, they're they're in the queue. There's some wild, wild people yeah. out there on the dating apps. But then there's also, like, a lot of really sincere, amazing people who are also kind of, like, I work a full-time job that I really love and I enjoy and I dedicate a part of my life to that. And yeah. I don't have the time to really go right. out and just meet yeah. a bunch of people all yeah. the time. Yeah. So, but, yeah, it's made it it's made it pretty difficult. Um, I know when I was joining the Marine Corps, I was also dating someone and I kind of had to like have a moment where I was like, I'm making this decision completely without you. And I'm like, again, like being young and selfish and just being like, I I don't think this is good. Like we, we ended up ending it too right right before I left. Cause it was like, I'm, I'm choosing to leave you and I'm not even involving you in the conversation really. Right. So, yeah. It's a sign of bigger things. <laughs> yeah. Sign of bigger things and not sign of like, we're clearly two different parts of our life. Right. And mm-hmm. I, again, like I was just selfish and young too. And just was like, yeah, going to go do this thing. And yeah. yeah. And like speaking in that terms, I think for me, like personally, a lot of stuff too, like coming out in college and stuff like that, like yeah. gay marriage wasn't legal. Don't yeah. ask, don't tell yeah. was still around. Like yeah. all that stuff. There's still like a lot of limitations put on gay couples adopting. Yeah. And I think there was a little bit of like kind of a part, you know, so I, I, just, I never thought about marriage. I never thought yeah. about kids and stuff like that. And it kind of like coming in like a later adult being allowed those things now. Yeah. It's kind of made me also again, like think about it and be like, Hey, what do I really, really want? Do I actually want that? Or is it now just the fact that I can have it? I want yeah. it. Right. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's been kind of something I've been dealing with too, is just really like trying to figure all that out. But that's another thing. I think I'll get down that road and I'll be like, yeah, my gut tells me I should do this. <laughs> and I'll just have like, like four oh God, kids. There's a kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, oh crap. Here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those processes are a little bit longer, so maybe you'll have some like yeah. moments to think that's about. That's true. Those are that's that's like years long, isn't years. it? Or yeah. Something like that. Years. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause that was just something I just remember like going through college and stuff like that. And I I can't remember when what gay marriage was like two thousand fourteen or something like that, I think. Yeah, so even yeah. 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 So even being like a full fledged adult out of college and stuff yeah. like that and still like not having that right. Yeah. Was kind of yeah. And then when it all happened, being like really, really excited, but also being like, I'm twenty two. I'm yeah. I'm excited, but <laughs> not that excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can still wait. Yeah. <laughs> I can still wait a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. How has that been being in the military because of all the changes? So I'm actually like super private about it. Okay. I don't talk about my personal life like that. For all people know, I like don't date anybody and I just like live by myself alone and yeah. don't ever talk to anybody. Um, except for like my close, close friends, like they yeah. all know and stuff like that. But I've tried very hard to keep that separate. But I will say it's not like being a gay woman is not a thing where people really aren't weird about it. People aren't yeah. going to like make you feel terrible about it or anything like that. Yeah. No. If That's anything, they'll just make like weird jokes and then everybody will move on with their life. Cause yeah. yeah. And I, I just, I think it's been something even from like high school, uh, going through college, I think it's just, you're constantly coming out, right? Like yeah. to everybody. Like right. I, I can still remember coming out to my parents. Like it was yesterday. I can still remember like coming out to my friends. I can still remember all that. And even now it's like, Oh yeah, my girlfriend. My I gotta yeah. like make sure you yeah. pick up on right. the the GIRL part of yeah. that yeah. whole thing and yeah, and yeah. So that's kind of been it is weird, and I think it's becoming less and less common now. People are just becoming less and less um, don't care as much, which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. they sure. don't feel that need for you to sit here and identify yourself right off the bat because right. yeah. everybody's like so a lot. A lot of people are so fluid with everything now, which yeah. I think is amazing. Um, but yeah, it was definitely like, grow, I think growing up a lot too, I felt very necessary to like make it, when I started coming out in college, make it very clear of like, no, yeah. this is who I am. Yeah. And then as I got older, realizing that I didn't want that part of my professional life. Yeah. I wanted to just be who I was at my job and then right. go home and live that personal side, yeah. which I don't know if that's like a great thing or not. Like, I don't know if that's healthy. I don't know I don't if that's know. right. I, like, I, yeah. I, in a way, do that for myself. Like if I am... I mean, I talk about dating apps and I talk about going on dates and stuff, but I also, if I am actually interested in someone, I don't tell anybody. Like only the people closest to me actually know how I feel until I can actually tell you this is what I'm thinking and this is the direction I'm going in. Because I think it's a really private thing and it doesn't need to be known. And I think all the failed attempts are fair game. But besides that, I think, because it is something that is so close and it's so personal and it's it's so emotional and heart-based that there's no need for it to be exposed to the entire world. And I also have this mentality, like if I tell someone I'd go on a, on a date, then they're going to be like, so how was it? What'd you think? And like the list of questions is going to happen. And I just want to deal with that sometimes. Speaking of trim tab. Bye. Oh, yeah. Bye. Oh, bye. Bye. This is a mistake. And then I'm like, all right, recharge. Let's go again. Yeah. Let's get her done. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Take that out. Take out the get her done. No. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta say, quote Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime he's quoted, he it's, he's quoted. It's, it stays in. Yeah. <laughs> it's happened the one that's, time. That's that's fair. That's fair. This is a mistake. I love that you think of life in terms of bits. Yeah. <laughs> that people are doing bits. <laughs> That's most of my life, yeah. That's amazing. You're like, okay, they're thinking intentionally about this. And really, they're probably not. Mm-hmm. But you are. <laughs> it's a business. It's a-